Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighter's Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts, boxing, and bare-knuckle brawling. Feels like I've been doing that a lot more on the show lately. Uh, but I was at uh, Brawl 3, Brawl at the Rock last night, Dada 5000's card. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about the scenes from there. I stayed for most of it. Uh, did uh, did head out because I did want to see, of course, the UFC 248 card. But um, it was a fun night. It was it was a fun night in the, in the building, the first sporting event at the new Hard Rock. Really cool setup. Very cool scene. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. But I want to start off. I feel like if you if you host a combat sporting show and you don't start off with with uh, with Zhang Weili versus Yana and Jajic, I don't know what you're doing because what those two women did yesterday uh, was one of the best things the sport of mixed martial arts has ever produced in an octagon. Uh, it was unbelievable. What 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 a, what an unbelievable performance by both of them. They really laid it all out on the line for that entire fight for a championship for the fans for themselves. Uh, Yana and Jajic left that octagon unrecognizable. She was a she was a whisper away from from regaining her championship that she had established. You know she was the long reigning queen of the strawweight division. That was her division. Um, you know really blossomed into one of the stars at such a low weight class that was you know first introduced. It was really Ronda Rousey, and then I feel like you know Joanna was the one who really took it from there. So uh, it was it was really great to see her back into form on the big stage like that. But those two, what they left in that cage yesterday was was it was unbelievable because you just kept wondering, like, how could they keep this up? How could they keep this up? And really just unbelievable. The, the, it felt like the pace kept swinging from time to time. It felt like it, it, it felt like there were moments where, you know, uh, Whaley was was starting to fade and then Joanna was coming on and she was mixing up with the kicks. She was switching stances. She was starting to hit with the with the high kick. And then it felt like. As the hematoma was getting bigger and bigger, you're watching this. You're like, "Are they gonna, doctors going to let this continue? Are they going to let her go on looking like that?" And as it rolled on and rolled on, uh, you know, Weili Zhang just hit a, a another another gear that got herself uh, what it's what it felt like was the right nod of her keeping her championship. But it's not crazy to think that Joanna won that fight. It was it was such a such a great brawl between both of them. Um, one of those that I just think is going to be remembered that that's the that, that's the legacy maker between them both i think that for joanna she's really been searching uh for a long time since her loss to rose nami Yunus. there was a lot of this denial of how good she was and what happened on those nights and why she wasn't herself and and you know we didn't this 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 she really was had a hard time dealing with this cloak of invincibility being gone from her and there's been a lot of searching. There's been going to other weight classes. They've been taking on Valentina Shevchenko at flyweight. Um, and it felt like last night she got all of that back. That this was a this was a woman who had had built up a division and really I felt like had had carried on its legacy last night because of what she was with uh with with uh with Weili, uh with Zhang Weili yesterday. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, and then and then for for Whaley, you look at this and you're just like, man, this 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 could be an absolute next star of this division that she really can carry this fourth. Um, that there's going to be a lot of growth here. You know that that bridge they've been looking to have to China forever has been such a big deal, and 
this is this is one of those where you're just like this could be the absolute launching point of a megastar for for this sport. It, it really really does feel like one of those nights. Those two, it, it, you just it's one of those things where you just you couldn't believe the pace they were keeping up, but you couldn't believe some of the shots they were taking. And and when it always felt like it was going to start swinging one way or the other, another one of them came back. When it, when when one of them would clinch up, another would hit something with a knee to the body, separate. A couple of quick shots, uh, you know, Johanna's precision, her volume is is legendary, and we just saw all of that, but but Whaley was, was able to hit her with these big bombs that literally changed Johanna's face. It, those, those, those types of moments for the sport, man, it was, and this was said on the broadcast last night, and it's so right, you know, they put in last night this, uh, this fight going into the Hall of Fame, and it was John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. And that fight was incredible. It really, really was. But I think a lot of that was built on the fact that we had never seen John Jones push to the limit like that. So there was this, I'm not saying it wasn't an epic fight or a Hall of Fame worthy fight. It absolutely was. But part of the appeal with that fight is we had never seen John Jones pushed like that. And, you know, and then come to find out that John, you know, was partying his ass off and didn't really train for the fight. And, and the second time those guys went around, it wasn't a very close competition. With this, it was all just built on pure action, pure, 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 uh, just pure violence, man. It was unbelievable. Really just one of these things where you didn't just think of it as a fight of the year. On a night where they put a fight into the Hall of Fame, you're like, well, there are fights that go in the Hall of Fame. That's a first ballot one. I don't know when that's going to occur. I don't know how, I don't know what the process is on waiting for fights. Is it a five-year thing? Is it like uh, Major League Baseball? But that's absolutely a, a Hall of Fame-worthy fight. It was rightfully fighting the night. And looking at their purses from last night where I saw that, you know, uh, I think it was like they're both about a 100-100 for, for win and show. God, I hope that there was no win bonus. I thought that, I thought they both deserve uh, full purses for last night because of, of how close that fight was and what kind of a show they put on. They did get the, uh, the fight of the night bonus. <laughs> really obvious. And quite frankly, um, with what went on before them, with uh, with Benil Dariush in that fight with uh, with Close, I thought that that fight was going to probably put a bow on what fight of the night was because of how crazy that second round was between them both. But it got it got completely swallowed up by what uh, what, what those two ladies did. Just an all time fight, an all time classic. I don't understand. Like it, those are the ones where you're just like you can't fathom being in that sport sometimes and. What Joanna went through in that fight with the, with her head, she could feel it as it's going from round to round. Um, you know, Zhang Weili is looking at this and she sees it almost like as, as a big old bullseye. Um, and, and by the way, you know, this is a crazy thing with with Weili yesterday was looking at this fight and thinking that she had never been in the fourth or fifth round ever, ever. And you're starting to see, you were starting to see. The signs that it was starting to fade for her, you're like, I don't know. It, it's starting to seem like Joanna's pouring it on. Joanna's been in a ton of championship fights. You know, she's got about uh, as much championship championship experience as anybody on the roster, uh, because you know her her fights don't typically go uh, one punch knockout or anything. Normally, it is she's usually doing the butchering to the to to her opponent. She's usually rearranging somebody else's face, and so you started to get the feel like, all right, first two rounds. Very very close, but probably went uh, the the side of uh, of uh, of Wei Li to get the to get the knot in them. 
But then it started feeling like Joanna was really pouring on the pace. Didn't feel like you could just tell that that way. That he was getting used to being in the uh, being in the deep waters, dealing with, uh, with with being in there with an absolute tiger shark. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like as that fourth round was closing in, starting to get it back, starting to get it back. It was a closely contested. I thought that Joanna getting the majority of the round had it two two going into the fifth. Um, but as far as that last round was concerned, uh, it really felt like Whaley took it by the horns and, and was able to retain her championship. That did that. Uh, I, I do, I do agree with the nod from, uh, from two of the judges. Uh, one of them giving it to, to Yana, but those, those two, it's an absolute classic. The question now becomes like, um, do they do an automatic rematch? It's one of those things where you almost wish that they could go their separate ways. And it was funny because a lot of the times when you have a classic fight like this, there's a lot of embracing afterwards. There's there's a there's a big hug. These 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 two were very very uh, they were taking some real personal shots as uh, as the build up to the fight was happening, and you could tell there was a dislike there. And it felt like what was the immediate reaction going to be after they threw down what was an instant classic? It was very icy. It was like it was like all right, get the hell out of my face and go to our corners and let's see what the judges have to say about this, which is pretty crazy. You know, a lot of the times fighters know that they're in a they're in an absolute war and you see that sportsmanship right away you see that you see that um that embrace and you didn't get any of that from those two they was just like yeah my face i just spent 25 minutes uh in, in an octagon with you I've, I've literally left pieces of my body in this octagon and i just want you out of my face right now and let's see what these judges have to say about that because they just both had nothing left afterwards which is understandable it was it was so tremendous. And so when you talk about rematch between these two, I, first of all, I don't even know how it could be as good as what we just witnessed. It, it, it was an absolute, absolute classic. Um, and I feel like it's always best when, when something that good happens that you can maybe get a little bit of breathing room uh, to, to, to get these two away. Um, and with Joanna. You know, like I said, this was, a I thought, a big fight for her because she had been searching so much since the losses to Rose, which she had a, a, a tough time dealing with. We talked about this last week where it, there's been a lot of searching there. You know, she came over to American Top Team. She came over to Coconut Creek, and she hadn't been the, the, the dominant woman who had built it up with a 14-0 record and had been a reigning champion for, for the longest amount of time. But never blamed every, you know, never blamed American Top Team. Never threw anybody in the bus. Uh, she put a lot of it up to to weight cutting. You know, she had the scary weight cutting video that happened. You know, she looked fresh as a daisy in this fight. She she looked like she could have gone for, you know, I don't know if I want to say a few more rounds, but she looked like she was still she was she was still humming in the fifth round. Even though Wei Li definitely found that second second breath, Joanna looked absolutely fantastic and looked like somebody who had cut rate, cut weight the right way and um, and was just in prime shape, prime shape. Where a lot of people thought, all right, this this may be it for her. I thought she got that all back. Um, when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of the main event with uh, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. You know we were very excited about that card, uh, that main event here. But, um, you know, we talked about how we thought this fight was going to play out last week. And I think a lot of that came to fruition in the main event, which... I mean, it had a tough. It's a. It's tough to follow the act that they had to go on when you're when you're the main event and you get outshined like that in the co-main event. You almost like you're gonna have the fans on edge as it is already. Um, and I think that's a lot of the reason why it's getting the reaction that I think is deserved. That it is. 
Uh, but we'll get into that. Stylebender versus Yo Romero. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what down what what went down at uh, BYB Extreme last night. Brawl three, Brawl at the Rock. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM 790. The ticket. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The ticket. Recapping UFC 248 yesterday. Over the show, praising, of course, the co-main event between Zhang Weili and Joanna and Jacek. Very incredible fight from them both. Which left the main event to have to try and follow an absolute showstopper. Uh, that's tough. That's a tough one. I imagine, I imagine that's one of those things where, like, if you're a comedian and somebody, some young up-and-comer just goes out and slays, and then you got to come in with your, with, uh, with your jokes, you better hope that... Uh, that audience has a lot of energy because uh, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. It's about the opposite of what uh, Zhang Weili versus Yon and Jacek was. It was not action-packed by any means. Uh, we did talk about this last week, though. When, it, when this fight was announced, obviously you're pumped up because when you have these two individuals on their own, uh, they're, they're some of the most explosive, exciting fighters that the UFC has to offer. But a lot of what they do is capitalizing on other people's mistakes, fighting in bursts, doing some sensational stuff. And I said this last week where I'm like, I'm not going to be surprised if we have a couple of rounds where this is going to be an absolute snooze fest because they are going to try and figure each other out now. I love Yoel Romero. Okay, it, 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 I'm I'm a, I'm a fanboy for Yoel Romero. This dude is awesome. He's one of my favorite interviews that I've had in the sport. Uh, you know, incredible story from Cuba, Olympic silver medalist, twenty years ago. He's going to be forty three next month. He's he is a guy that everybody thinks has been juiced to the gills his entire career. He had to go win a lawsuit, twenty won a twenty seven million dollar lawsuit uh, from a from a drug company because of a of a USADA a USADA test. Um, he's just an absolute freak. He's a freak's freak. And you see that by the backflips, the athleticism, all that type of stuff. Um, but he fights weird. He fights weird. You know, he's this guy that has a better wrestling pedigree than basically anybody that stepped inside that octagon and doesn't really utilize it. Haven't seen him utilize it. Man, I remember going to the Hard Rock in 2015 when he fought Leota Machida. And it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, man, he just looked like an absolute tank. He he bowled over Leota Machida and just looked like an unstoppable force. You know, but then after, then thereafter, you talk, and that was right after where he already had a weird performance where it was against Tim Kennedy. Uh, everybody, I think, will remember Stoolgate where uh, Yoel is uh, on the stool. He's, he's getting killed by Tim Kennedy, stays on the stool a little bit more. Uh, the ref doesn't really control it. And then all of a sudden he goes and obliterates Tim Kennedy in the, uh, in the third round. It's uh it's a crazy scenario. If you haven't, if you haven't ever seen that one, go back and watch that on YouTube. Old, uh, Tim Kennedy, Tim Kennedy's still pissed about that. And probably rightfully so, uh, you know, Jacare Souza versus Yoel Romero, very weird fight. Yoel dominate early, um, questionable that he got the nod in that. I think in a lot of people's eyes. You know, but this guy has always been a guy for a couple of reasons. One, he's absolutely terrifying. You look at his body. You look at what he's able to pull off in that octagon. Uh, he's beaten some top-flight competition where he's taken out Chris Wyman, former middleweight champion, with a sensational flying knee. Uh, he, he 
blew out Luke Rockhold, who I think a lot of people, you know, the former middleweight champion, where a lot of people thought that Luke was uh, one of the cream of the crops at the time. You know, and then also has had major, major issues missing wafer fights where, you know, he missed uh, back-to-back fights on, 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 on title fights where he missed one of them against Robert Whitaker. He missed one in that Luke Rockhold fight where it was supposed to be an interim title fight against uh, against Luke Rockhold. It was not because he wasn't able to make weight. You know, so you, you go into these Yoel Romero weeks, and and again, I can't stress, I love the guy, but you go into these weeks, and it's like you have so much stuff that isn't about fighting that you're worried about before you even go into the fight. Like, I'm sitting there, and you're watching this, this weigh-in, and you're, like, praying to God that he makes weight and that he can actually be in a title fight where the title's on the line and there's no weirdness. Because this was actually... Man, this was uh, this this was the first actual official title fight that he's had in his career after two interim title fights and one where the title wasn't on the line for him against Robert Whitaker because he missed weight. And those Robert Whitaker fights were razor 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 thin. I thought that he should have gotten the nod in in uh, in in both of them. Um, but this has really become a theme with Yoel, where it's been. I feel like I sit on these uh, on these shows on Sunday mornings and I feel like I have to go and debate and I have to to jockey for why Yoel Romero should have gotten the nod there. I even felt it against Paulo Costa, which is probably the guy who's performed the best against him over this run of the the, the Whitakers, the Costas, the Adesanyas. He's probably put the best forth uh, put forth the best performance against him. But even Yoel had his had his huge moments, and I think that if you really watched how much he made Paulo Costa miss in that fight, um, you'd think that fight was a lot closer than many did. The thing is, though, um, he it's becoming a theme with him now, where he goes into these fights and he's trying to capitalize on other fighters making mistakes, and he almost just does it to such an nth degree that. How are you going to get the nod uh, in the judges' eyes, especially in these championship fights where, you know, believe the rule, you got to take the title from the champ or beat the champ to be the champ, whatever. I do believe judges have that in, in their minds a lot of the times when they're scoring these fights. So we get to this fight last night with Izzy, and he comes out. he comes out in this first round, and he's just like, turtled up in this in this stand-up position his dukes are up and Adesanya is just like looking at this like what, what the hell's going on here and you talk about a round now mind you we're coming off a fight where you have a gazillion strikes thrown between uh Zhang Weili and Yohan and Jacek and these two they go out and throw a combined seven punches in the first round that's quite a different tone I mean, you're talking about what you thought was one of the most epic fights you've ever seen, and then it's followed up by that. And, you know, the, the point that keeps getting made with, uh, with Yoel is like, well, you know, he's just trying to conserve his energy. He's trying not to get tired. And I'm trying to think to myself, I'm like, yo, this is, this is a guy now who has been in, you know, he hasn't had a, a fight that has just gone one round since, like, 2013 you know he's gone five rounds uh now he's he's done it three times so he's had championship round experience his his fights with Robert Whitaker were both epic 
Um, maybe you thought he slowed down a little bit. Not a ton. I didn't feel like he was uh, completely uh, taken away in either one. The one that really always stands out uh, really are two of them, and, it, and it's the, the Jacare fight. He really felt like he wilted in that fight. And then the Tim Kennedy fight where, you know, he needed obviously an illegal extra blow from uh, from being on the stool for so long. But, you know, these cardio issues that everybody talks about with Yoel, I get it. But it's not like he completely wilts. I think a lot of that is we see a guy who's muscled up like that and we just we just think that. that you know, even in the Costa fight, we think back to that one. Uh, he was the fresher fighter as that fight was going on. as the fight As the fight went on into the night, he was the guy that looked like the better fighter as that was going on. It was it was it was it was Paulo who was the one who was wilting away. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that is just something that they overcompensate for in Yoel's camp. I don't know, but I, I do feel like it's a little bit overstated when you get into these things. But that fight wasn't good. I mean, like them it, it, Adesanya versus versus Yoel Romero. Now Yoel makes this impassioned plea afterwards, where he's like. Uh, you know, I don't want to see people run. I don't, we didn't, we, you know, the people didn't pay to see people run. And I'm like, if, if you are Yoel Romero and you're, and you're thinking about Adesanya and, and what he's going to bring to the table, I feel like it is upon you to go and take that fight to him. And I know that's not typically your style. He's not typically the aggressor. He does like building off other people's mistakes. He does like catching people coming inside. I know that's that's normally how he likes to go about these things, but... You know with 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 Stylebender, he's going to do a lot of fancy stuff. He's got a lot of versatile weapons that he can win at a distance. I feel like it's upon you to go into his kitchen and take the fight to him. And, you know, I normally don't di- uh, agree with Dana White uh, all the time. Uh, there's plenty of things that I don't see eye to eye with with the UFC president, but I think he's right. Yoel was given this opportunity uh, against Israel Adesanya as a bonus. It was house money given to him. You know, he... Didn't beat Paulo Costa, even if you thought it was a close fight. You got to do some negotiating, and you got to be a big Yoel fan, which I am, to consider him winning that fight. Either way, it's not like it's not like Paulo Costa had highway robbery and is, is getting this title shot. And you know we're seeing this with uh, Jose Aldo versus Marlon Rice. Jose, I think, is is like, come on, man, you, you guys know I won that fight, right? I think he's got a better claim to it than Yoel does. But either way. Anytime you're going to put a guy like Yoel Romero in a championship fight, I think it's okay. He's a, he's a he's a fun fighter. He's a great character. And you're always thinking about this guy being uh being this big boogeyman as they dub him of the middleweight division. So I just think that if it's being dubbed as your last attempt at getting a title shot, something has to go a little bit different than your other big fights over the last uh over the last few years you need to go at it like you did Luke Rockhold you need to go at it like you did Chris Weidman fight you know you need to go at it like Robert Whitaker you don't want to do that lean back try and make Izzy fight because Izzy's not gonna do that you know and to is to, to Adesanya's point you know he said well I thought he fought a smart fight here's the thing about that though um you know they're dubbing Israel Adesanya the next potential superstar of the UFC I thought that took a big step back uh with this past fight against Joel and you know he even says you know I did what I had to do I did what I had to do you know a lot of the times Dana White would rip a performance like that I could go six more rounds I remember him killing Kamaru Usman for saying something like that like Kamaru saying that he won a fight against Emil Meek because anyone I think he said like on 27 percent or some wacky number and Dana White's like well, what does that even mean uh and he crushed he crushed Kamaru for it 
And 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 I will say this: Kamara did take that that criticism and he turned it into turning himself into an absolute tank of a guy who goes forward and breaks people's jaws and looks like he gets stronger as the fight goes on. So he made something with that. But I I, I do think with Izzy, I think that we have a couple of performances now where he's had hand-picked opponents, you know, guys that he really wanted on his resume. Uh, and, and that is with Anderson Silva and Yoel Romero. Now, if we look at his past fights, his past four fights, where he's really bursted onto the scene, you have the Anderson Silva fight, which was a picked fight by him, and you have a Yoel Romero fight that was picked by him. And then you have the Kelvin Gastelum fight uh, where he looked a lot like Joanna did. That was one of the classic fights of all time, too. Um, it was an all-timer, and I think that was a big star maker. And then you had the Robert Whitaker fight, which was, of course, done there in, in Melbourne, Australia. The Oceanic uh, Championship between the guy from New Zealand, the guy from Australia, and he he knocks him out in the second round. That was a star maker. But, you know, a lot of people are out here, and they're looking for the next star. They're looking for the guy who is going to be the guy, who's going to be the next guy. And he's got a little bit of Anderson Silva to him in this, where – Yes, Anderson Silva has the sensational knockouts over his career. You know, the front face knockout, the the crazy kicks, all that type of stuff. But he also has he has some real stinkers. He has some real stinkers, and I do think that probably kept uh, Anderson from, you know, he's a legend, but from going to where he was to, like, one of the, you know, and maybe a Conor McGregor level. And I do think that this sport is thirsting for that next star. And you have this 42-year-old individual, scary as hell, I give you, but he was handpicked by you. And if you handpick an opponent, if you tell the UFC, I am picking Yoel Romero because everybody says this guy's the boogeyman and I feel like I can expose him, and you go out and you beat him with leg kicks, come on, man. Like, that's, that, that, is, not a, that is not what... I can look upon and say, that's a star. I can't. Not yet. Not a megastar. He's, he's an exciting fighter, and I'm going to watch every style bender fight. But, you know, for those who are saying, this guy's the next Conor McGregor, this guy is the next star in the making, I, I don't know. Because I've, I've now seen him in two fights with hand-picked guys, guys that he just wanted on his quote-unquote resume, in Anderson Silva and Yoel Romero. And they've kind of been clunkers. You know, the, the Anderson Silva fight had uh, some cool Mortal Kombat moves and stuff like that. And it was a nice showing by both of them. But um, this fight was just not good. Not a good fight. And you could say, oh, well, Izzy fought the smart fight and Yoel didn't go for broke. I think they're both to blame for it, to be honest with you. I think that they both had a lot on the line here as far as Stylebender. He's getting the cover f- feature on ESPN this week. Um, Yoel, probably the last time he'll get to fight for a UFC world title. And I think they both just left it all hanging in the cage. And it also doesn't help the fact that they, they, they went on after one of the greatest fights you'll ever see. That's also going to, that's going to put a magnifying glass on how, uh, how much inactivity there was in your fight where there's, uh, you know, leg kicks and weirdness and guys turtling up and, you know, we're counting seven, seven punches in a round and. It, 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 it was a tough showing for a fight I, I thought was going to get off to a slow start, but I thought was going to pick up, and it did, but it got off to such a slow start. It wasn't even like a slow start. It was like a standstill. It was like a standstill and then hoping that you're going to end up having a good sprint race. You didn't get that. So, um, And as far as the, the judges are concerned, you know, him getting the nod, 
uh, unanimously. I just think that Yoel, I, I, I can't sit here after every Yoel Romero fight and have to make my points as to why the guy went and, and got the nod because he landed two big lefts in the in the first and second round and you know maybe got the better of it in the fifth round. Like maybe that is the case. Maybe you, you definitely can make an argument of forty eight forty seven for Yoel Romero. However, how many Yoel Romero fights in a row do I have to? make these debate points about why he won or why he didn't win. So it's uh it, it, it's tough. Like I think that Yoel has an argument to get his hand raised, but there's got to be at some point a a a a, a Kamara Usman uh, mo, uh a Kamara Usman um type of light bulb moment where you're just like, "Oh, I can't fight at that pace for both of these guys." Um you know, I'm going to go a little easier on Izzy because he is, uh, you know, he has had some pretty epic performances and he's very young in this UFC career. The thing that the thing that disappointed me most about him was this was the guy you picked. You said that you wanted just to beat the boogie. I'm not going to wait for Costa. I'm going to go and I'm going to beat the boogeyman. Well, if you're if you're going to beat the boogeyman, go beat the boogeyman. Don't, you know, don't low, lower leg kick him and make him limp. Don't make the the boogeyman just have to go sit down. Take out the boogeyman if you if you're gonna be the next star. If you're gonna be the next time, because you know people people talk a lot of be, uh, believe about Conor McGregor now, and I get it. Uh, we've we've been over Conorized, but the rise that Conor McGregor had to that featherweight championship was one of the most special things we'll ever see in the sport. And the other thing about Conor McGregor, find the boring Conor McGregor fight on his resume. Find it. The Max Holloway. Maybe back in the day, maybe it's it, it it's slim pickings. If you're gonna if you're gonna critique Conor McGregor, boring fights doesn't really exist. To be honest with you, so uh, honestly, the most boring Conor McGregor fights probably Floyd Mayweather. Not surprisingly, but obviously everybody was gonna be intrigued by that the whole way. Um, so yeah, very big clunker uh, of the main event, and we'll we'll take some other notes. I want to get into a little bit of BYB from last night, the brawl at the Rock. A couple other notes from uh, UFC 248. I thought there were some really great performances that I also want to make note of. And uh, we got a big boxing match that looks like it's coming down the pipe. Canelo has his next opponent. And hopefully, there's a lot I want to cover in the last segment, so hopefully we'll get to it all. Otherwise, I'll have to add a bonus segment to the podcast. But uh, we'll continue on. We got a lot more to get to here on Fighters Fury after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, a couple other things I just want to make note of on UFC 248. Then I gotta, I want to fly through some things. Uh, Neil Dariush, his knockout over Dracar Close, unbelievable. That was so sick. He was on his way to losing, came back, and won just a crazy onslaught in the second round. Uh, one of the best things going on, on the internet right now is go look at the, go look at the reaction of, uh, Joe Rogan, John Anik and, and, uh, Daniel Cormier literally swooning into Joe Rogan's lap. It was unbelievable. Neil Magny had a, uh, uh, a great performance against Lee Jingliang. Um, Neil Magny uh, was on a bit of a layoff, really poured it on him. So a good performance by him. And then Sean O'Malley, uh, sugar, the, the sugar show was back after some USADA issues, and he looked he looked phenomenal. I know that Dana White said that he wants a quick turnaround for uh, for Sugar Sean. Uh, really, really awesome performance by him to see him back in the fold. So that was uh, UFC 248 from yesterday. Now, um, yesterday I also got in a little bit of live action as we went to uh, we we uh, went as the the morning show uh, was. By the way, great seeing all the listeners yesterday. I saw saw a ton of people with uh, with kind words to say about the morning show. Much appreciated to everybody out there. Um, but went to Brawl 3, Brawl at the Rock. It was uh, Dada 5000's bare knuckle card. And uh, this is my second bare knuckle. Normally, I'm like going to boxing matches down in South Florida or mixed martial arts matches down here in South Florida. Uh, but the most common thing I've been going to lately is bare knuckle fighting. I went to BKFC um, and I, I sat ringside for that. This one, uh, we had uh, really great seats. It was the first time that they had a sporting event at the new hard rock live. And even the guys were like, how, how's this going to go? I'm like, I don't know, man. I've never been, I've never been to a fight here. They haven't had any sporting events here. And it was a cool setup because if you guys haven't been to the new hard rock live, it's a really beautiful theater. It is, it is gorgeous. And they have some, you know, you could just see right now with the new hard rock, like they are up in the game, man. Like they got Adam Sandler performing there this week. Not that they didn't always get good stars, but you could just tell like they're proud to show this thing off even more now. Um, obviously their hotel's a damn guitar that shoots up to space. So anyway, it was a beautiful setting. Um, I will say, look, look here's what I'll say about, uh, the bare knuckle fighting thing. Cause I've gotten into a lot of debates with this, with the, the bare knuckle folks. And I've told this to Dada and I've told this to, uh, David Feldman who runs BKFC. Um, there's been a theme early with these bare knuckle cards. The first, the ones I've gone to. First off, it seems like the top five car, top five fights on these cards, 
whew, they are going quick. I mean, I'm talking like the, the first fight literally ended on one punch. And I'm not saying it was a devastating shot. In fact, it was a jab. And the dude was like, well, I'm known for having the fastest jab in Brazil. I'm like, cool, bro. Fastest jab in Brazil isn't made of iron. But whatever. Um, I will say the one thing I do like about Dada 5000's promotion more than I like about BKFC, and I made this – uh, I've, I, I, I told the, I talked about this, the, the, on the show after I went to BKFC, I thought that the BKFC ring is a little bit too big. I'm like, look, I thought the whole point of this is confrontation. These guys are going to fight. Uh, the president of BKFC has gone in there and said, he's going to take guys pay away for, uh, not being in the, each other's kitchen and, and, and fighting the Trigon is a hit. I love it. I think the Trigon is an absolute smash hit. I think that for for bare knuckle, I think that it is it is a, a spot on platform to do the bare knuckle fighting because you really have nowhere to go. It makes for confrontation. Uh, none of these fights lacked action, and I thought that was great. I thought that was I thought that 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 little Trigon is perfect for bare knuckle fighting. Perfect. Um. Dada, I will say about the guys on the card, the dudes look like bare knuckle brawlers. Like they look like guys who are character guys, rough backgrounds, last legs fighting. Some some people coming from across the country. There was Knuckles. The, this lady, she came in. She won the second fight of the night. She's apparently like uh, some some lady steamrolling in in bare knuckle fighting. She's got a jaw like granite and, and put it on her opponent. She was awesome, but. The, I'm just you could just like you could just see like some of these dudes who are fighting in bare knuckle. They've lived. They have lived. Um but it made for a fun night. It was a fun night of 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 just going with your friends. You got everybody you go in there, you watch them fight, you're like you're interested in how this is gonna go. There's a lot of there's a lot of side bleep talking from your friends because you're just like, well, get a it's kinda like get a load of this guy. This guy, this guy's got something with him, and I thought that made for a fun night. I do say this though, and I I continue to have this thought when it comes to bare knuckle because people keep telling me in bare knuckle that they think they're going to be the next big thing, that they are going to be a a powerhouse, and that they're going to be the next, they're going to be as big as the UFC and as big as mixed martial arts, and they think that that is the wave of the future. I really, really just, I think it's going to have nights where it's going to be fun to watch it. But I got a hard time believing it's ever going to overtake or be on the level of UFC or even Bellator or any of mixed martial arts um, or boxing. I just have a hard time believing it. And here's a couple of reasons why. You know, this was made by a point of fighters afterwards where um, it was uh, Pla. It was the, 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 was the dude's last name. And he was thank. it was a beautiful thing where he was thanking Dada 5000 for giving him uh, one last chance where he was homeless for four months, uh, you know, and and he got this fight. I don't know how much he made for the fight, but let's say he made a grand, uh, you know, a couple grand for the fight. Who knows? It's hard. It's hard to tell sometimes with these local promotions. But let's just say he made let's say he made a couple grand just for argument's sake. Um, You know, he's saying I'm doing this to pay my child support, take care of my father. It's possible not to like stories like that, but you could also tell that this is a guy who's kind of on his last legs of fighting. And I just feel like for the majority of these people, 
you're going to have a couple of people that are, are going to headline these things. You'll have monster stars known in combat sports from boxing or from UFC, and you'll have guys who are kind of just on their last legs looking for a place to make money fighting. I got a hard time believing it's ever going to be anybody's first stop. The other thing is, I don't think the action is much better than MMA. You know, for people to say like, oh, well, people will want the brutality of it and they'll they'll love the, the blood of it. You know, I've been to a couple of these cards and I've been to mixed martial arts cards and I've been to boxing matches and I've seen pretty gnarly knockouts in all three of them. So I don't think that there's this grand uptick in violence uh, that necessarily isn't there with MMA. And I also feel like with MMA, there's just so much more of the kitchen sink to throw at these guys. To me, as a combat sports fan, I just think it's a little bit better of a watch. Uh, there was a cool moment yesterday. There's been a lot of buzz of, uh, of our guy, Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Let's go, champ. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in attendance yesterday, had a ringside seat, and it was really cool to see the Briggs family out there. Uh, but Shannon got in the, uh, in the ring after, in the middle of uh, a couple of the fights with Dada 5000. And it's like, oh, there's been a lot of rumblings that you want to get into to bare knuckle. Now, Shannon uh, was putting some videos up on Instagram of him of uh, training with Jesse Robinson this week, so that was cool to see the old tandem back together. Uh, I don't know, I, I haven't got a chance to to talk to to Shannon, but I have heard um, from multiple people in different walks of life that is where he is going to go. Like there is going to be some. The, the plan is for him to fight in bare knuckle in some promotion. Uh, upcoming soon. I don't know who that's going to be. Obviously, if you're going to do that, I would think you're going to do that down here. Uh, he is the people's champ of South Florida. Um, I think if I want, I, I'll say this: like if I had to choose between seeing him in a trigon or seeing him in the squared circle, I'd rather see him in the trigon because I want to see Shannon, you know, corner somebody up and body him up. Um, he's going to do some damage that way, man. So he's got absolute lunch boxes and then. You know, nobody, but I will say this, like nobody on that car last night could have stood toe-to-toe with him. He's, he's an absolute freak monster. So we'll see. I, I would say don't be surprised if you see Shannon, Shannon Briggs in a bare knuckle event soon, whether it be at a hard rock event put on by BYB or BKFC at one of the convention centers down here. Don't be surprised if that, if that is the case because there's a lot of smoke to that fire. He said that he's very interested last night, although Shannon always says he's interested in everything. So... You always got to be careful because he's like, I'm going to fight Tyson Fury. I'm going to fight Klitschko. I'm going to do this. I'm coming back in two months. Um, and then he's got some awesome venture that he's off to, and we'll get back to it later. So I'll, I'm just telling you, I've heard from other people on the other side that aren't with uh, that aren't just the champ saying that he wants to do it, that he's going to do it. Um, so that'll be cool. I'll definitely be into watching Shannon Briggs. But again, you know, Shannon is 45, 40, 47, excuse me. He's 47 years old. And. You know, he is the he's a former two-time heavyweight champion of the world. He's going to bring a lot of shine to that promotion. He's going to bring a lot of shine to that promotion and I think that it's going to uh 48 now, Shan. Jesus, you are you are an absolute machine, man. Um But yeah, I hope that he's able to uh, I hope that he's going to uh I thought I hope that we see him back in the boxing ring and then I hope we get to see him in bare knuckle. I think that'll be actually cool. There's a there's a lot of talk that he's going to be facing Rico Rodriguez. Um, but that he does still plan to box. So it's going to be cool to see the champ back in action. And people love him. I, I, I will say that every time I see him uh, go into a venue, people are excited about seeing Shannon the Cannon Briggs. 
the whole building last night chanting "Let's go, champ!" when he walks into the into the ring or into the trigon. So very very cool to see. Um, one other boxing note, man. I want to get into to Habib versus uh, Tony Ferguson. I don't know if I'm gonna have time, but um, one other big boxing note that came out this week. Uh, there was a report hasn't been made official yet, but um, ESPN Deportes uh, is reporting that Canel Alvarez. He is going to be taking on WBO super middleweight champion Billy Joe Saunders uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend, which will be falling on May 2nd this year. So it's probably going to be made official soon, but I like this fight for Canelo Alvarez. I think, one, uh, it'll bring a lot of intrigue. I like it better. There were some talks that he was going to go over to Japan and fight. I like this a lot better. You have Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders is a good character. Uh, think, uh, for those who don't know Billy Joe Saunders, think a super middleweight version of of Tyson Fury almost very elusive uh you watch his fight like against uh Lemieux makes guys miss uh will showboat a little bit did get into some uh did you know he was supposed to fight Demetrius Andrade back in the day uh ran to a bad drug test so that was unfortunate but uh but now it seems like he's gonna be fighting Canelo Alvarez has to be making uh Demetrius Andrade I imagine furious because uh that's who he wanted to fight but you know maybe uh, maybe they'll be able to make the Charlo seven or something like that when it comes to to, to Boo Boo. But this is a good fight for Canelo. I'm excited about it. I think it's a good clash of styles. I think that it brings somebody who can um, I think can uh, can can poke at Canelo a little bit. You know it's it's been uh, it's tough it's tough doing that with Canelo Alvarez. But I think that it's a good adversary for Canelo to have because I think he'll pick at it. I think he'll get the crowd. Uh, very much against him and going for Canelo, but uh, but look, this is the, they needed to do something like this where it was going to be, it was going to be a, a a real interesting fight for you to to fork over your money to the zone. I said this this week, you know, uh, boxing scene, which is a, a really good boxing website. They do a good job covering the sport. Um, they were talking about this idea that oh, the zone, like it always it, it always stops freezes and then kicks back to the undercard i don't know why they're just experiencing this maybe they haven't been watching a lot of zone the fights on uh on the platform maybe they're covering a lot of fights live Dude, i've been complaining about this with the zone since i got the zone and i just i actually it was funny after we did the show last week i actually canceled my zone subscription i'll get back I'll, you know I'll, I'll be back for canelo and you know I'll, I'll be there for the run of canelo and uh anthony joshua but I just got tired of watching uh, a third-rate broadcast, and I shouldn't even say the broadcast. It's not like it's not like uh, it's not Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix and uh, Sergio Mora's fault, but their platform sucks. It sucks, dude. I'm telling you. Like I watch, I never have an issue with ESPN Plus, and I watch all types of sports on ESPN Plus: UFC, boxing, other things, uh, documentaries. ESPN never an issue with the zone it sucks man it's a pain in the ass you're hopping all over the car and a lot of the times when you're watching these cards you don't exactly know where you are because you know the one good thing about the zone the good idea in theory is they're giving you the entire card but the thing that sucks about it is you know I don't know who the who the 10th undercard guy is on a on a uh, on, on a Demetrius Andrade card, so you could be skipping up all over the place. Um, so it's been a big issue for 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 a while, and 
you know, there was a big report this week. They're going to expand into other world markets. It's like fix the market here. Get get your get your technology right because, you know, and the other thing is they never they never take accountability for it. So oh, what's your internet connection? I don't know. Same one that I'm using for every other streaming platform: Netflix, Amazon Prime, ESPN Plus. They all seem to be doing just fine. Only the zone is the one that sucks. So you tell me. But I mean, you watch Bellator cards, you watch boxing matches. It is infuriating. So I was glad to see some uh, a, a, a website like Boxing Scene, which uh, which does good work and is one of my favorite boxing websites to go to, at least shine a light on some of these complaints because. Yeah, DAZN, your streaming sucks, man. It is terrible, and I'm tired of dealing with it. And as a customer, I got, first of all, the audacity that they had to double their price in less than a year was crazy. I mean, they went from 10 bucks a month to $20 a month in less than a year. And they put it all on the fact that, oh, you're going to get Canelo and you're going to get Anthony Joshua. It's like, cool story, man. I'm not getting Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, and I'm not getting Canelo Alvarez against Triple G, though. I'm getting him against you know, Daniel Jacobs is a fine fight, but I'm watching him against Rocky Fielding and Sergey Kovalev. Uh, you know, it, not exactly uh, not exactly the matchups I was looking forward to. So, yeah, the zone sucks, and I and I and I and I and I dumped it. I'll, I'll you know I'll go back for the Canelo fight because I want to watch Canelo Alvarez fight, but. If you're telling me like I could watch, you know, Canelo Alvarez on any other platform, man, I would, man, I would prefer that because I have not been a happy DAZN customer at all. I think it stinks. Anywho, I'm gonna try and record afterwards. I'm gonna record a bonus segment on Habib versus Tony Ferguson because they had their press conference this week. I thought it was masterful. So I'll get some thoughts on that. If you guys missed any of the show, download the podcast. Fighters Fury on Radio.com. Fighters Fury on Google Play. Fighters Fury on Apple Podcasts. Look us up there, subscribe, rate, review, all that type of stuff. There'll also be some clips up on YouTube as well. Um, So you guys can check us out there. Everybody have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will talk to you tomorrow on the morning show, 6 to 10 a.m.